Welcome to BWI Live. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Normally on Fridays before a game, I'm giving you my five things. We're doing the Friday Five that you need to watch for, but we need to catch up with some old friends. Dave Eckert, former Blue White Illustrated Live member, uh, way back when, when it was a very different show. He is... He covers Ole Miss, so we would be terribly derelict in our duty if we didn't have Dave to ke- get back on and catch up and uh, talk about some football. So, Dave, welcome back to the show. Good to see you. Yeah, this is – I've been so excited about this, Steve, Frank. Um, you know, I wish that I could just take my old refrigerator and put it behind me <laughs> for, for the sake of the viewers. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't fit that with my luggage in the car. So – we're going to have to be refrigerator refrigerator list for this one, but uh, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, it's it's great to have you, even if you don't bring the refrigerator to the to the <laughs> table, I guess, is where you were sitting originally. Uh, but I do want to catch up where, you know, fans uh, remember you. They remember your time here, not only on the show, but over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. So what have you been up to? Because I know that this is not where you started covering Ole Miss. You, you moved south to cover, cover a, couple, a different team. And here you are falling in our lap for the Peach Bowl game. So where have you been over the last couple of years? Yeah, I've been sweating my butt off, too, Frank, because it's really hot in Mississippi, in case in case you didn't know. But yeah, I moved originally I moved to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, um, to cover Southern Miss. Um, did that for about six months, really enjoyed it. And then um, our Ole Miss guy moved on, so got the call up to go do that. And I've been doing that since the middle of last season. Um, so yeah, uh, it's been fun. Really, really enjoyed it. Been kind of crazy. I think I've moved just between towns and then within the same town. I think I've moved like four times in the last calendar year. So I don't love that, but you know, like, um, aside from that though, it's been, it's been, it's been fun. Well, that's, that's cool. Uh, and obviously you're, you're from, uh, the Northeast. So I'm going to ask you a very, uh, sheltered question. What's the difference uh, between South and, and, you know, not just Penn State football and, and SEC football, but like just generally, what are the things that you think are the biggest differences besides, oh, damn, it's hot out here? Um, I think the difference can be best explained by something that's been happening this week, actually, is, you know, the Penn State media contingent got the cheesy um, sheets or Wawa question. And the Ole Miss media contingent has been getting the, do you put sugar in your grill? So that's, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the main contrast. But no, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a little slower. Um, you know, the, the Southern hospitality trope is very true. Um, you know, it's funny, like back home, I, I would go to the grocery store. I'd buy my groceries with my AirPods in, listening to a podcast. And if you try to do that down there, have seven people trying to talk to you that you're not hearing and you just feel like a jerk so um yeah i don't know um i like it uh like i said it's a little hot for me but aside from that um there's a lot like the food's really good um yeah and they, they love their football so well, let's get to that football then. Let's talk a little. Uh, let's sure. talk about the game, and I'm interested to get first off your scouting report on Penn State. So let's start with Drew Aller. Uh, there's divided opinion, as you might imagine, about a football player, but in generally the season that Drew Aller had. What are your impressions of him? Um, 
from this past season and, and kind of getting to, I imagine getting a little bit reintegrated into the, the Penn state uh, beat this past week, you know, catching up with people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, full disclosure, I watched maybe 90 minutes of Penn state football this regular season. So take what I, but you know, putting that out there, but yeah, I think, you know, just seemed like very game managery from, from Drew this season. I'm um, just looking at the numbers and talking to some folks and, um, it sounds like that wasn't the intent based on the staff decisions that have been made. So um, I'm interested to see which version of him we get on Saturday, right? Is it going to be the new um, – is he going to take shots, basically? Right. Um, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, look, you know, uh, I think the Ole Miss perception of Penn State is a little bit three yards in a cloud of dust big 10 team mm-hmm. um i obviously we know that that's not what penn state wants to be um but from our perspective and i say our as in like what Ole Miss fans think about them that seems to be um the analysis i don't know if it's correct it's probably not but that's the outside perception i guess yeah gotcha so just generally then uh tell us about jackson dart and if you're comparing mm-hmm. the two you know, I know you just mentioned you haven't seen a ton of, of Penn State football this year, but going going off what you know about Jackson Dart, do you feel strongly that Penn, that that Ole Miss has the quarterback advantage in this game? I think that they do. Um, just because I think Jackson Dart, he can make every throw on the field, right? Um, you know, he has the, he has the arm, and he gives you the dual threat aspect as well, which. You know, hasn't necessarily translated into a lot of rushing yards for them this year. Um, but what it does do is it's kind of an equalizer against opposing pass rushes. Um, and Ole Miss does not have a very good offensive line. So mm-hmm. that aspect has been very important. Um, look, I, you know, they've been asked to do different things, undoubtedly. Um, and I think without question jackson dart has the better weapons at his disposal i know that's been a big topic of conversation um for y'all but yeah i just think first y'all just, just think, slipping it in yeah there. i, 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 I do say i'm sorry i'm, I'm so don't sorry. be it's, <laughs> it's charming it, it genuinely is charming coming out of your face but continue i, I, I interrupted i i have to say it and i taught myself to say it because if you don't say it then you're immediately an outsider mm. um but anyway um, yeah, I just think, I, I think production wise, you know, darts had the better year. Um, I think situation wise darts in a better spot. So yeah, mm-hmm. I do, I do think Ole Miss has the quarterback advantage. Uh, that kind of leads me into, and I, I agree with a lot of the things you mentioned about having the superior, uh, weapons around him, especially. And I, I've been thinking about this watching film of this team over the last couple of weeks. Do you see any parallels between, Trace McSorley led Penn State teams and this Ole Miss offense specifically because even down to you know Jackson Dart can as you said make all the throws and I agree with you I think his best throw actually is some of the stuff downfield but my god does it look like he's putting his whole soul into some of those passes um so like are there similarities that you see between kind of a, a run first offense maybe in the Ole Miss uh offense but really one that has that dynamic ability and a guy that probably plays above his talent ceiling at most times. 
You know, I actually made that exact comparison. I Dave Jones at Penn Live called me um, like a week ago, and I was like, you know, he Jackson Dart reminds me a lot of Trace McSorley, and really, it wasn't the tools, but it's like he's just Penn State fans would love Jackson Dart. Jackson he Dart. just gets it done. It seems like yeah, he's, he just he, hits the he, plays he needs. He's tough too. Like he's taken some hits this year and come back from them. That I'm like, man, like. You, you know, as a journalist, you want to say, wow, like, I admire this toughness, but you have to question, okay, like, is this safe? You know? Yeah. Um, that, that's <laughs> that's kind of where where you are with him. But, yeah, he's just, you know, he's, he's the quintessential quarterback. He really is. But, yeah, I, I, definitely. Um, Ole Miss wants to run the ball. They have an elite running back. Um hasn't always been easy for them to do that, especially against quality defenses. If you look at that Alabama game, yeah. um, Judkins really got nothing going. Um, you know, the Georgia game, really, they were behind almost immediately. They almost don't want to judge the running game there. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. It, it is reminiscent for sure. So then uh, about Judkins, I think is interesting. A powerful back, clearly. Great size. Sure. Unbelievable motor. Um, how dynamic is he? Because I've seen him rip off some long runs, but I'm curious, do you think he'll be able to hit some explosive plays, and does he have that gear to get away from guys uh, in, in open space when he gets the opportunity? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. He's got all of the physical tools. Um, he can go through you, he can go around you, um, and he does it against, you know, um, obviously LSU's defensive field was terrible, right? But if, if you, it has a lot of very good individual athletic players and if you look at what he was able to do in that game it's like you know um against guys who are probably going to play in the nfl um but yeah he's you know he has that gene of like he's he's just bigger he's not but he feels bigger than he is mm-hmm. um you know he makes plays that he shouldn't make um he's really good he's going to play in, in on sundays for a long time he's uh, i think a huge part of their identity. As much as we start with Jackson Dart, and I think that's what really makes it special, it really feels like they they set things up for him, especially in the run game. Uh, I was I was joking to somebody. I was like, if you just photocopy the 49ers or the, the Rams offense, I see it, it looks like that's just what Lane Kiffin did. He just walked in with a hat down in a janitor's shirt <laughs> and uh, went in and copied the playbook and then got out. Uh, but but in, seri- in seriousness, there's a lot of modern concepts in here. There's a lot of stuff that I think from a run game perspective especially creates some challenges for the defense and add layers of complexity. But we go back to what you just said, the O-line not as good. And that's kind of my comparison with some of those early Penn State teams under Rick Sorley. Is, it's, it's very Saquon Barkley against the stacked box sometimes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so how do they overcome that? What are the things, what have you noticed from this team of how they overcome that? And, and what are the situations or maybe even some of the, the, the players that have caused them problems that have put that offense off schedule? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times they haven't overcome it, right? They've been much better defensively in, in a lot of these games, right? You look at Auburn, right? They did not play well offensively at mm-hmm. Auburn. Their, their defense was outstanding that game. You look at, um, you know, uh, Texas A&M, right? Um, defense played really well for a half. Auburn, or the offense totally stalled in the second half. They make a big play late. But yeah, uh, they just, again, they, they turned to the passing game in a lot of those situations um, where they, they have receivers 
and I'm sure you're going to want to talk about Trey Harris, but I think Trey Harris is the answer to a lot of those questions. Um, he's probably their, I think he's their best player, period. Um, where, where does he rank in terms of receivers you've seen this year? Because I've had a hard time with that because there's things in this offense that don't always allow him to, you know, like I feel like he runs a lot of similar concepts and bails them out a lot, which is not necessarily putting him in all of the situations. And I haven't watched all the games, to, to be clear. I've, I've watched right. a select number of right. games against teams that I think fit, you know, in this matchup but it always seems like he's bailing them out. So where is his talent perception in your mind in terms of receivers you've seen this year? I think, you know, he's not Malik Neighbors at LSU, but, you know, Evan Stewart at Texas A&M, you know, probably the same tier. Like, I, I did not see anybody besides Malik Neighbors who I would say immediately you are better than Trey Harris. Um, I just, I think he's a stud in every capacity. Um, it stunned me, honestly, like, that he's not going to play in the NFL next year. I was stunned when he announced that he's going to come back. Um, but, yeah, he's just um, – he's big. He's fast. He wins one-on-ones. Um, did you, I don't know if you watched the Texas A&M game in your film study. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, talk about a dude just taking over a game. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was wild. So, yeah, he's – supremely talented he has the body um he has the athleticism so he's going to be a challenge um for i assume kaylin king i don't know exactly how penn state's going to structure that but um that's an exciting matchup for sure yeah i think that that's the turning point for me watching uh this game is penn state's you know chop robinson not playing in the game but they're deep up front and they've got uh curtis jacobs is is clearly interested in playing in this football game. So a lot of the guys that you might think are going to the NFL, like they are participating. The one area is that corner and Trey Harris. I think that's why I want to know, like Marvin Harrison jr. Caused Penn State problems that they couldn't solve is Trey Harris in a, you can't solve this problem no, situation. Not, 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 yeah. not saying he's as good as Marvin Harrison jr. But like, is he in that category of receiver where even if Kalen King plays a significant portion of the game, like you're not solving that particular problem. He's going right. to get his, you just have to try and limit it. Yeah. I think if you, again, almost puts you in a spot with the talent that it has at receiver, where if you try to solve the problem, somebody else will get you. Right. Because I mean, Jordan Watkins is a really good player too. I really like Peyton Wade. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know that he's a, uh, an NFL guy who's going to give it a shot, but uh, he's a good college player. So, you know, if you devote resources to, to making sure that Trey Harris doesn't get you, I think somebody else is going to. So, again, it leaves you, it just leaves you with this decision, right? Um, are you content to let him get his and, and not overextend yourself? Or are you going to say, hey, this guy is not taking over this game? So that's, that's the question that I think they've got to ask themselves. And, you know, so, some teams have, you know, successfully shut Trey Harris down. And, and um, a lot of those, I think, are injury-related. That Alabama game, he was like 20%. Um, he was still extremely hurt playing against Alabama. Um, but, you know, there have been some other games that Ole Miss has won where Trey Harris hasn't really gone off. And I think, you know, other guys um, punishing teams for the decisions that they make has, has contributed to that. 
Yeah, it's an offense definitely that can hurt you in multiple ways. One of the ways, you know, this has been the super uh, buzzword for Penn State this year has been balance. And, uh, you know, I think this is an offense that truly has balance, despite the fact that their offensive line doesn't provide you a lot of great opportunities for pass protection. And I think they sometimes shy away from the drop back passing game because of it. But they can do a bunch of different things because they've got these talented guys at the skill positions. Dave Eckert of the Clarion Ledger, formerly Blue White Illustrated, alum here from the Blue White uh, Illustrated live show and from the site. Here talking about Ole Miss, the team he covers right now. And uh, I got to ask you here as we make our pivot towards the defense, what's it like covering Lane Kiffin and a Lane Kiffin press conference? What's that, what's that reality like? I cannot think of anything that is more different than covering a James Franklin press conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Lane Kiffin's entire press conference will often be shorter than James Franklin's opening statements. Um, oh, but really? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's because the Ole Miss beat actually is, and the 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 ball PR folks I think are very distraught over this because there's just not that many people to feed the machine and ask questions. Like very small. There's only four, five, six of us who are here. But, yeah, Lane is um, complicated. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, uh, he he never leaves you short of content, which I appreciate. Um, And I think he's very honest. Um, If he's lying to you, he's doing it with a purpose. (laughs) Uh, So there was actually this one funny situation where um, Lane Kiffin will speak on Mondays, right? So um, he's only ever spoken on Monday. And he decides the week before the Alabama game that he wants to do a Sunday Zoom to recap the, the previous week. Um, right? So, and, and just out of the blue. And he just so happens to be asked during this Sunday Zoom, right? Total coincidence um, about Alabama's defensive coordinator. And he just so happened to say that. He doesn't think that Alabama's defensive coordinator is calling the plays. So that's <laughs> – we are a chess piece, Elaine Kiffin, I guess is what I'm getting at. But um, if you ask him something thoughtful, he's cool. Um, you know, he obviously has a lot of thoughts on, like, the state of college football with the way that he built his rosters. So yeah. I like big picture stuff, so there's always a lot of that. But I enjoy it. Um, definitely gives and takes, but it's, it's been a good experience for sure. That's interesting to to hear that it's uh, per capita, you know, the the amount of takes that are coming out of Lane Kiffin and the amount because nationally yeah, you yeah. see it all the time. Like he's just all over the place in terms of having really quotable moments. And then you're, you're telling me it's like a 20 minute press conference. So he's oh, it's fireworks. That, Frank. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's I would say more often than not, he's under 10. Yeah. So, yeah, he gets the, he, he gets it off, man. Like he doesn't waste time. But. What do you think of his coaching style? You know, getting away from some of the PR stuff and, and the big picture stuff, which I agree. And I kind of agree with some of the things he says. I think he's got a, an honest perspective on all of these things. But from a coaching pers- perspective, what have you gotten to know about Lane Kiffin as a, uh, you know, a leader of, of the organization? Yeah, it's interesting. I think Lane Kiffin is perfect for, like, the tier of school that Ole Miss is because you can – the, the 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 way that he builds his team, the way that he embraces change, um, and I know NIL specifically is is kind of a, a something that Penn State is still trying to solve, or at least was when I was leaving. Um, 
you know, he's quick to exploit things that can help Ole Miss compete at a higher level than hold Ole Miss historically competes at. Um, right? Like, I don't think Ole Miss is where it is. I, in fact, they're just not where they are without having one of the best NIL structures in, in college athletics. Um, and that's driven by Lane Giffen, make no mistake. Um, mm-hmm. They're not they're not where they are without using the transfer portal as free agency. Um, you know, so yeah, it's that aspect of him is is very um, it's it's rewarding to cover because it's very it's just different. Um, but you know, X's and O's. I'm sure you can probably speak better about an X's and O's. Obviously. Um, it's very modern, um, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting, which I think matters is yeah. in the Ole Miss market. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, he's, he's a good college football coach. He really is. He's a, he's an asset to this program. Um, the job that he's done here has been unbelievable, right? I, they, I think they've had three 10 win seasons since 1970. He just got a second in four years. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's impressive. And Walter Nolan, number one transfer portal mm-hmm. player committing to uh, Ole Miss, I think is no coincidence in that answer you just gave about having NIL in order and having everything, as you mentioned, the advantages you're trying to get. There's a huge one right there for you to be able to pull mm-hmm. a guy like Walter Nolan um, yep. you know, at a position like defensive tackle, which again is the position everyone's trying to predict when it comes to recruiting. Offensive linemen and tackles, some of the uh, defensive tackles, some of the hardest positions really to predict what they're going to be at the next level and to, and to get one in the portal that seemingly has as much talent as, as Walter Nolan does, I, I think is a perfect underscore to what you were talking about there. Um, but he won't be playing on Saturday. Uh, we'll want to talk about the defensive players that will be playing. And I think he goes into um, what Ole Miss does up front, you know. Tell us about the defensive line and what you've seen from them this year and, and your assessment of really that part of the defense to start. Yeah, so the, the biggest asset that Ole Miss has on defense is not any particular player, it's depth. Um, they have, especially with their front six, um, you know, a two deep full of very similar tier players who they rotate through. Like, you will see... Um, essentially hockey line changes on the defensive line yeah, consistently. Um, and, and, and that's been something that's, that Pete Golding brought in first year defensive coordinator. Um, you know, that that's work, right? Um, they don't have, in my opinion, a ton of NFL athleticism on their defense, but um, you know, the, the defense is full of, like there's a lot of group of five transfers, on this defense okay. who they've, they've brought in to fit into the specific slots. Um, Ty John Anthony, John Saunders Jr. Um, that's, that's worked for them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, they've been playing against more athletic offenses just yeah. about all year and they've done pretty well. Uh, you know, they're, they're in the top half of the SEC in, Scoring defense for the first time in, I think, a decade. So, you know, um, and, and obviously you talked, touched on it there. Like, they, they are going to be athletic next year so, um, yeah. with, with who they're bringing in. So everybody's kind of excited about that. Like, hey, if, if 
they're doing all right. They're doing pretty good for themselves this year with, with, with what they've got, then what are they going to do next year? So, so yeah, an opt out like Cedric Johnson doesn't right. necessarily hurt the same way that maybe a chop Robinson does, even if Penn state has talent to back that right. up, you know, the, the loss of a guy like Chop Robinson, like you notice it, he is a difference right. maker, but you know, more like for like with Ole Miss and Cedric Johnson then. Yeah. I don't have the stats in front of me, um, but I would be surprised if Cedric Johnson was on the field more than 60% of the time this year. Like that's just how they play. Um, yeah. Good player, really good player. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not, they're used to that. They're, they're, they're able to rotate. And actually, I think that creates a really interesting opportunity. Um, the one, like the most athletic player probably on the roster is Centarian Perkins, five-star freshman. Um, labeled as a linebacker, they've been using him mostly as like an edge um, mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, so, don't get me started you know, on this I, defense. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are... He will probably, I would expect, see um, the majority of, of the snaps that Johnson is vacating. So an interesting opportunity for him. Um, yeah, uh, that's, I guess, kind of, um, like you said, it's, it's not, is it impactful? Absolutely. Is it crushing? No. Yeah, this this defense, just to go off what you're saying, is like, I've been trying to nail down exactly what I think of them. And... The way I phrased it before is usually like a good defense presents you a picture each play of what they're doing. And I've watched a lot of this defense and I don't necessarily know what they're doing all the time, which tells me one of two things. Either this is an entirely new defense I've never seen before or a couple of people aren't doing their job on a consistent basis to make the picture look clean. Um, and they also, on top of that, do a bunch of different things from formation and multiple up front from three down and four down defense. So uh, how, does it work, do you think, for them that they're able to do so much and be able to present so much to a- an offensive line that they can maybe for a team like Penn State who might have some young players playing? Does that create enough confusion for those players who have to see it up close as opposed to me who's seeing it? six months later, right. you know, on, on film, like, can they present enough of a challenge to, to maybe overcome some of those, um, uh, lack of stars up front? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think it has worked. Um, you know, you, you, you look at some of the SEC games that they've won this year, right? Arkansas at home, defense won in that game. Auburn on the road, defense won in that game. Mississippi State on the road, defense won in that game. So it's, it's you know, it, it, it hasn't been, the offense hasn't been good to the extent that a lot of Lane Kiffin offenses are where you say, hey, if you hold them under 35, we're going to win this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the defense has had to do more than that, and they have. Um, and actually, especially kind of in the middle of the season, Kiffin even said, like, hey, I'm calling this a little bit more conservatively because I think our defense can win this this game, which is like the most anti-Lane Kiffin statement that's ever occurred. So, you know, yeah. but it, it has worked. Um, you're probably more equipped to, you know, outline the X's and O's reasons of, of why that is than I am, but um, they've made it happen. And, you know, looking at preseason, you know, I really had questions just based on where some of these guys were coming from. Um, but I think they've, they've made a lot of strong evaluations for what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, Dijon Anthony, for example, safety, uh, 
played at Liberty, really didn't start all the time at Liberty, um, has been great. You know, re- real asset. Yeah. Um, John Saunders, you know, played a different position at Oxford. Or, I'm sorry, at Miami of Ohio, which is in Oxford, Ohio. Um, but has come down and, you know, been, been an asset. So mm-hmm. I think they've, they've, with limited time, because Pete Golding was a late hire, and, you know, with, with limited resources, they've, they've done well for themselves for sure. Yeah, uh, we covered uh, West Virginia to start the year, and they had a similar situation, bringing in a lot of transfers, especially in the secondary. It didn't go as well for them, especially to start the year, uh, you know, where, where they, they had uh, some some issues you may have seen from highlights. But this this team, as you pointed out, like I think the strength of this team, from what I've seen, is the secondary. So can you tell me a little bit more about that group, and, and maybe um, on the corner, do you see the same level of play that you see at safety? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Their, their corner, corner situation has been evolving a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a young guy in, in Chris Graves who they've been integrating um, into one of the corner spots. He kind of more or less has, has split time with Zamari Walton, who's a, a veteran transfer they got from, um, from Georgia Tech. So I'm interested to see what they do there for this game. Um, I like DeAndre Prince um, mm-hmm. on the other side. Good player. Um, you know, just really good playing the ball. Um, he's an asset. And really, those are the three guys that they've played. Um, you know, it's, it's again, they need, to me, in games like this, the question is not, are those guys good enough? It's, are they going to get the support that they need in the trenches um, to make sure that, for example, Carson Beck isn't standing in the pocket untouched? for like 15 seconds like <laughs> right in, 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 at georgia right so yeah. they need to win at the point of attack and i think they're good enough in the secondary to, if they do that with relative consistently consistency they'll be fine yeah they play a zone style that penn state's seen this year uh that causes some problems because it allows you to keep some players in the run game. And I think that's been a part of this story, this defense playing, playing the run pretty well and being able to add guys in, but also keeping a lid on the explosive passing game, which Penn State really hasn't had a whole lot of. Um, It'll be interesting to see kind of what the Penn State offense is in this game, because we just talked about this on Thursday show where I I don't know that any of us are convinced. We know what to expect from Penn State after a month with Jay Wansider and Ty Howell at the helm instead of six days, which is the first time we got to see them operate in offense against Rutgers and then another week against Michigan State. So limited sample size, I think a lot of mystery on that side of the ball for Penn State. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. Um, a, nugget, the, a nugget that you will, your, these viewers I think will like, was Pete Golding said, um, I don't have the quote in front of me, but essentially was he would be shocked if there is not a wrinkle or two from Andy, I'll tell Nikki, am I saying that right? Like, yeah, he expects some input, um, you know, in, in, into from him in, into what Penn State is going to do. So take that for what it's Interesting. Yeah, he, he's been with the program. We got to see him, uh, you know, with, with the program this weekend, of course, uh, right after he was hired during bowl practice. Um, you know, without going through every single position and talking about every single player, is this defense good enough to support its offense to win the game, in your opinion? Because it, following the train of logic here, Jackson Dart, the better quarterback, equal, I would say, than 
um, you know, from a running threat, if, if not Penn State has two guys to one guy in Quinshaw Junkins, and then the defense, um, is the defense for Ole Miss enough that they can play to that level to keep the Penn State offense from doing anything different or special? I guess, what, what's your opinion on how this game plays out? Yeah, I am really split because I just think, I think Penn State has the advantage on the line of scrimmage on mm-hmm. both sides of the ball. Um, and I think Ole Miss has the advantage in, in a lot of the other places. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. I think it's, I think it's a true coin flip. Um, you look at what Ole Miss has been able to do this year is overcome a lot of those situations, right? Texas A&M, you know, Texas A&M is more athletic than Ole Miss, um, right? Uh, LSU, way more athletic than Ole Miss. Um, so, but when they don't overcome it, see Georgia, see Alabama, it is ugly. Yeah. Like, it is dysfunctional. So, I guess I'm talking myself, and I, I think Ole Miss either wins close or loses, you know, relatively comfortably um, would be the two scenarios that I, I, I think based on watching this team all year play out. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I've been doing, I'll tell you what I've been doing when people ask me to pick this game is yeah. I've been doing the like, I'm going to pick Ole Miss, but there is a healthy amount of Kirk Herb Street syndrome into like that choice, right? Like I, I, I will not be the Penn state alum that picks Penn state to win this game that I think is a coin flip, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But you know, uh, I think it's, I think it's, uh, like I said, I think, I think it's a coin flip. I, I've been, I, I've been on the side of Penn state winning this game, just based on what you, what you said, I think is the most important thing is Penn state is better in the trenches on both sides. So, uh, I'm not going to give my analysis for the third straight show. You can check that out on the Thursday show or the Wednesday show, but generally I think that's really important. And then it's going to be, it's going to come down to Trey Harris, like not specifically him, but that idea of is the passing attack enough that they can keep Ole Miss in the game and balance so that Penn State can't take away Quinshawn Junkins and put him in a box. Because if they do, like, there's an easy path here for Penn State to stop the run, put those tackles in a bad situation, and then you neutralize Trey Harris as, as best you can by putting Jackson Dart on the run or or on his butt, you know, in the pocket. So that's an easy path. But then, of course, Trey Harris can also win immediately and dominate and, you know, spread the ball around. And Lane Kiffin could have a bunch of different things for the Penn State defense they haven't seen this year. So it, I, I agree with you. It's um, I've changed my total three separate times this week. I, I, I've, I've, I've changed the score three times, including once within 20 minutes because the, the official uh, score, I changed it and then talked about it differently on the show. So I'm all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, I've. I think that's probably like the sixth or seventh prediction that I've been asked for. And at the beginning, I was like, I, I'm just, I'm just. I was picking Ole Miss because I thought more Penn State guys would opt out than. than yeah. But you know, and and then it's just I got to this place where I'm just like I'm caught in between, and you know, look, if if I get anything out of this week, I will not be called a Penn State homer. Be frank. It's important that you ingratiate yourself to your new community. (laughs) Uh, I will not allow that to happen. 
So last question, I am curious, uh, you know, Dayton Wade had some conversation about he was going to go to the NFL. Um, the one opt out in Cedric Johnson. Um, what is it? I, I guess, why haven't there been more opt outs? Do you have a, a your finger on why this team has been staying together and why Trey Harris is coming back next year? I think, well, obviously, I know for a fact with Trey Harris, you know, the, the Ole Miss Collective, you know, has, has made it a priority um, with, with certain players that, hey, we, we're going to we're going to we're going to make it worth your while to to, to come back. Um, but um, I, I just think that the majority when it comes to the draft opt outs, um, I think the majority of this team's draftable talent is underclassmen right now. Okay. Um, so I, I think that's why that's happening. Um, you know, if you look at their upperclassmen, like, you know, there's a handful of guys that might go fifth, sixth, seventh round if, if, if somebody says, hey, you know, we like this evaluation, we're going to take a chance on you. But the guys who are like slam dunks are just not, um, they're younger. They can't go yet. So. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Dave, it's been awesome catching up with you. Appreciate you giving us this time. I know you're busy in Atlanta. Greg's down there with you guys. He was, you know, he had the, I think he has the exact same curtains in his hotel room. So th this backdrop is becoming sponsored by the Blue White Illustrated Live Show. There you go. I was actually, you know, I have a very nice view of the Atlanta skyline out this window, but if I had the window open, you wouldn't be able to see me for lighting reasons. So you get the curtain <laughs> instead. <laughs> Well, uh, enjoy the game. Thank you for your time. I'm excited uh, for to to see how this all plays out. And if you're ever in State College, I don't I don't estimate that Penn State's going to put Ole Miss on the schedule anytime soon. But if you ever in State College, you can stay in the new in the new digs. We uh, we have a, a suite good. available for you. <laughs> Beautiful. Good to talk to you, too, Frank. All right, we'll be back tomorrow, BWI Live, 9 a.m., uh, our, our tailgate show. We're going to have our post-game show live immediately following Penn State and Ole Miss to see if T. Frank was right about all this stuff, and uh, uh, we'll find out all together tomorrow at noon with the Peach Bowl. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. He's Dave Eckert. This is BWI Live. We'll talk to you later.